0: Hi, this is Aaron Azrod. And welcome to the 163rd episode of the Truth Island podcast. One of the most aspirational quotes that often comes up when speaking about the human potential for goodness is a quote by Tolstoy To understand everything is to forgive everything. The implication of this quote suggests that if a man were able to truly understand the motivations and struggles of another person outside themselves, they would be quick to forgive most of the bad things that other people do onto them. For example, if a person could understand the abusive childhood of another, they might be more forgiving and tolerant that someone else has a bit of a drinking problem. In many respects, Tolstoy's worldview is somewhat aligned with Socrates, who believed that all of man's problems could be be solved with the replacement of ignorance with wisdom. However, one might argue that just because we understand someone's life circumstance doesn't mean we need to forgive their choices or show compassion towards their way of life. For instance, one cannot downplay the significance that something such as free will plays in our individual choices. Although from a statistical point of view, children that are abused in childhood are more at risk for becoming abusive adults, not every child that was abused ends up becoming an abusive adult. While no two people are endowed with the same exact life, is it not fair to compare people who come from comparable situations? As much as we sometimes need to look at the uniqueness of individuals in understanding their behaviors and motivations, there is a risk that we will become too keen on finding loopholes which allow us to excuse the inexcusable. Conversely, if we constantly judge everyone the same as everyone else, we risk not seeing some of the distinctive qualities of their particular life. Joining me to help find the right balance between accountability and compassion, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, what do you think of this quote? No two men are exactly the same, but no two men are completely different either.
1: Well, I think, uh, I think that's a very good quote. I think it's a very good quote and uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's true, I, mean, it's, I think it's obviously true, yes.
0: I wanna kind of continue from where we talked last time And you had mentioned an example of a gentleman who uh, his son was murdered and then he instantly forgave uh, the person who did it. Like even before they were sentenced, even before they even spent uh, a day in jail, they just said, I forgive you. And. On first hearing that, it sounded like this man was like the most virtuous man on the world and like he instantly forgave and like that's the ideal. Upon further investigation, upon thinking about it. I'm wondering if that was necessarily like the right choice to make. And here, here's why I'm going to say that. What if the person who uh, murdered the son is not actually remorseful or sorry for what it is that they've done. And this person is kind of offering them a premature forgiveness. I'm kind of concerned now that if we're just offering blanket, you know, forgiveness, we're not actually taking the time to assess if the person who's actually committed the offense is actually sorry.
1: Okay. Well, I think that's a that's a you know legitimate caution or thought, you know, um, against that kind of behavior. And I understand it. I would say that there is a place for that because I absolutely agree with you. What are you forgiving if the person isn't sorry? And there is a place for that, but. I think like, you know, like we said last, like I said last week, I think that there is forgiveness is not simply about the other person. It's also about you. It's about the state of your heart, the state of your own being. And we'd like to think that we can go on being upset and angry at the person. And have it not affect our lives. Um, As much as I'd like to say that's true, I don't think it is. Because humans, if there's anything I know about us, is that we are incredibly emotional and that our emotional states significantly affect our well-being. And so forgiving the person has there are two, there's there, there's two levels to this. The first level is the letting go of the debt you are owed. That's the forgiveness. You're, you're owed the debt of justice you're owed the debt of, um, of remorse, you're owed the debt of, you know, of, of the apology. And relinquishing that removes that tie you have to the person. It removes that um, that burden or that's that that chain if you will if it doesn't even have to be a chain because a chain can be a negative connotation and that's not really what I'm trying to say but it removes it removes the debt the person owes you because the debt the person owes you is often a weight on the individual who is owed it and so um and it's kind of like it's it's kind of like actual debt when a person owes you a lot of money and you say, and you've been waiting for years for this person to pay you back. And, you know, um, let's just say it's not a, um, it's not a matter that you could take to court because if you could take to court, then that's a different story. This is not a matter you can take to court. You can go either there and beat the person up and take whatever you can from the person. Sure, if, you know, if jungle justice works, it works, but you could also let relinquish the debt. You can acquit them of the debt. And that's a good, that's a peace of mind on your part. Now, that doesn't mean that the money is yours. That doesn't mean that you get anything back. That doesn't mean that, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that justice is served. No, it just simply means that there is a peace of mind that comes with not, um, there's a peace of mind that comes with not holding, holding anything, whether a debt or a, a, a negative emotion um, against the person.
0: I hear what you're saying. Maybe though, that person, and I agree with you, when you hold that debt, it's it's mostly a toxic emotion. I, I fully agree with you on that. But perhaps you actually have an obligation to hold that toxicity within you for the benefit of the person who's committed the offensive action. So let, let's just say like uh, somebody murders my son and I have resentment towards that murderer and the, the toxicity and the resentment is eating me inside. However, if I kind of just release that and forgive that person instantaneously without taking into account whether that person is, has truly repented or is truly apologetic, I'm, also, I'm giving them a freebie. I'm giving them like a cheap, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're truly apologetic. I forgive you. That makes me feel good. I feel like a saint, and I feel like the most benevolent angel in the world, and I also get to just prematurely remove that weight on my shoulders, but maybe the morally responsible thing to do is to actually hold that weight on your shoulders and say, you know what? You took away my son who I raised for 20 years, and maybe in 15 years, I will be able to forgive you legitimately, and maybe in 15 years, you'll truly be, uh, you'll have a tone for what you've done if you just forgive somebody instantaneously, that forgiveness lacks authenticity. Because it could have been anyone. It could have been anyone who murdered your son. You're just offering a blanket forgiveness without taking into consideration the nature of that person who committed the offense in order for you yourself to feel good. So maybe maybe we have a moral obligation to kind of hold that toxicity within us, even though it might eat us a little bit inside, It's actually more moral to do that so that you can bring justice upon the person who has, you know, created an egregious crime.
1: Well, yeah, so it depends now. So, for example, a lot of, I mean, all morals are, you know, relative and subjective. It depends on the kind of worldview you hold, because for those who are, um, for those who are theists, your, your morality is no longer becomes subjective. It's now you believe in an objective God who has laid out the world in, a, in an in an objective moral within an objective moral standard, and now within those standards, those standards become subjective. But the very fact that morals do exist um, is no longer a matter of debate. Then, if you're living, if you're if you're if you're a uh, you know if you're a naturalist or a person who believes that you know um, we kind of. The world comes from you know just natural uh, you know um, something out of nothing X is it X I forget how, how, how to say that but the point is simply that if you if, if the world comes from nothing and there is no standard in the sense of um, beyond what man what human beings have created, and then it's still subjective, but it's a collective subject- collective subjectiveness in a sense of um, we've all decided that this is the moral standard according to our either society, our traditions, our upbringing, and so forth. So it, from society all the way down to the family, this is the moral standard. So. It depends, because for some, you might say that, yeah, for there are many people out there who would say that it's actually morally, it's morally right to hold the person all the way to your own death. And to never forgive, because by forgiving, not only are you cheapening the life of your son, but you're actually letting a bad man go free. And for others, they would say, no, it's actually morally right to let go of that because um, either their God does decide, uh, uh decrees that they forgive the enemies, or even if, you know, you have a religion that is not, uh, that is not theistic, like a, like a Buddhist religion, they would say to let go of things like that because all attachments is meaningless. So it really does depend on where you stand at the end of the day. And it's, it gets we get into this place where this nuance really does kick in because we're coming to places where the human being is um, we're coming to a place where the human being is is on an island, and this is where this is where life is so scary and life is so so um, can be very lonely because at the end of the day we all have to pick where we stand and we all have to pick what how we're going to live this life. And it has to be our choice, it has to be, and that's why it's so scary because not no two people, hence no two people are the same, yet we are all the same, Um, so. We're not the same in the sense of our moral views, our traditional backgrounds, our understandings of the world, the way we go about things. We're not at all the same, but we're all the same in the sense that we have the same experience. We experience joy, pain, and sadness. We experience loss and grief, and we experience um, happiness and we experience, you know, um, uh, euphoria and uh, and some weird, very strange metaphysical phenomena that many of us can't explain um so it's 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 being human but so for a person who believes that holding holding that you know holding the murderer accountable and holding the murderer you know by the by the you know by his by his shorts until the very day of his death it's understandable it's simply understandable it's and it's it's um and in their mind, if they if they think, okay, this is the just the most the most just thing I can do for the you know for the memory of my son, this is the most just thing I could do for you know for society, then how can I hold how can I hold that against them? How can I you know how can I fault them for that? Um, because it is it is reasonable. It is an eye for an eye and it's tooth for a tooth. It is it is the law of the land. Um, so i would say that though i though i can understand it i'm coming from a very different point of view in the sense that um, for me i i wouldn't i i wouldn't be able to hold it against them and simply because my my internal states couldn't wouldn't be at peace i wouldn't be happy doing that and i wouldn't be happy doing that because of my own understanding of life I wouldn't be happy doing that because of the way I, the way I, the way I under understand um, the nature of man, either metaphysical or spiritual and physical. You know, um, but I could understand why a person would do that.
0: So I want to think about this from the view of the Abrahamic religions a little bit here, and I think both in Judaism and Christianity, God's capacity for mercy and forgiveness far outweighs his nature for, you know, uh, reigning rain, punishment, right? You know, so like in Judaism, we say that God deals mercy with his right hand and justice with his left hand, the right hand meaning, being the dominant hand, meaning he's more quick towards mercy and forgiveness than he is with punishment. However, It doesn't say that there is no place for judgment and punishment. I I think both religions, ultimately, like there is consequences for not living a morally just life. Like it's not like, you you know, you don't get like a get out of jail free card for for all eternity. Eventually, some form of justice does rain upon you. And I want to take an example of, let's go back to the example of the person who's killed someone else's son. Let's say that guy goes to jail and he goes to jail for 15 years and after 15 years, let's say his sentence is 25 years, but he goes to jail for the first 15 years and after the first 15 years, he truly understands what he did was wrong. He truly gets it that what he's, he's written like countless letters, he's written apology notes, he's raised, a, you know, he's done everything in his power Uh, to demonstrate that he is truly sorry for what he did. If he goes to the parents and asks for forgiveness, and they deny him forgiveness, then I think that the parents are wrong. Like this person has spent 15 years in jail, they've written countless letters, and they've just demonstrated internally, externally, you know, it's hard to ever know if someone's truly being authentic. But if that person after 15 years says, hey, I know that I have a 25-year sentence, and I'm happy to spend the rest of, you know, the next 25 years in jail. But I am truly sorry if that person refuses to grant mercy or forgiveness on, on that person, regardless of whether that affects their sentence or not. Then I think that that person is holding on to unnecessary baggage and toxicity within them, and I, I you know, I, I fully concede that. However, yeah. we have people in this world, Kenning, who have spent 30 years in jail and then they get lethal injection or they get the the electric chair or they continue. They continue to kill people while they're already incarcerated. And then they go, you know, they, you know, they go to get executed. And then the executioner says, do you have any last words? And the guy's like, I didn't, I don't regret anything I did. I, I lived life the way I wanted to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, should I forgive that person? Should I give that person who has been sentenced to let lethal injection their, their final words are like, I don't regret any of this. Like I'm happy with what I did. I I live life the way I felt it. Like, I, I don't think that we should just give that person, you know, like forgiveness, even they're they're outwardly holding the middle finger in their last seconds of life, telling you that they're happy. They took your son's life. I, I think it's from a morally reasonable place, I, I don't think that you should forgive that person because they're not even asking for your forgiveness.
1: Yeah, but it also goes through, begs the question, why is it wrong that the, the family doesn't forgive the person who is repentant? What does the man's repentance have to do with them? How is it any of their concern how many times the man repents or writes letters? He killed their son. What's their bloody business? If you, know, you wanna go around shooting guns and you can take know and you can take a person's life well all your repentance isn't going to bring that person back now is it so if they don't forgive it's i would say that it's equally understandable even if the person serves you know serves 20 30 40 50 years life in life life in prison even and they end up changing their minds and saying they're sorry why should they forgive like what what is the moral obligation to forgive who says they have to forgive if their worldview says hey my son I'm going to hold the memory of my son, and I'm going to honor his memory by never letting go of the fact that this person murdered him. Then, absolutely. Then, it, 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 no matter how many, you know, how 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 repentant or changed person is, why should they forgive him? For what reason? You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to forgive him.
0: So I think to to respond to that, I think that in this world we always have to search for authenticity in what we're doing and and again it's hard to prove authentic authenticity you know people think that it's a lady crying with tears coming out of her eyes and be like oh she's truly sad that's authentic and there's a lot of actors in this world yeah there's a lot of yeah there's a lot there's a lot of actors and there's a lot of phony baloney people who go on instagram and be like oh the oh i'm so sorry think about the children you know i get it however I do think I, I do think it's important to find authenticity in, in, in people and then adjust our actions accordingly. And I think that it takes a lot of work for that family to stay in communication with that prisoner and be like, no, I, I think that this dude is just trying to get a more lenient sentence it, 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 like I can see that he hasn't really thought about, What it is because sometimes people apologize because they're just worried about saving their own behind and they aren't actually sorry for the thing that it is that they've done, they're just trying to get a reduced sentence or they're just trying to, you know, get out of jail as quickly as humanly possible. However, I think that there's something beautiful that happens if that family is assessing periodically, like, okay, you know what, this guy has actually done some soul searching, he's actually done some work, he's actually. Uh, reflected on a high, profound level what it is that he's done. He's not the same person that he was before. So what you're looking for is you're looking to see if that person has fundamentally changed who they are and and who they are as a person. And, And then you're giving them forgiveness when they've demonstrated that they are a totally new person. And you're actually helping that person. Because if you just prematurely forgive them and they haven't actually changed into a new you're actually preventing them from changing into a new person so let let's just say you commit a murder or something and i forgive you 3 days later I'm denying you the opportunity to actually become a better person because I just cheaply gave you my forgiveness. Whereas if I if I say to you my forgiveness is not like impossible. Like I'm not I'm not saying that you'll never grant my forgiveness. Because now you're giving somebody no hope whatsoever. But if there's actually a point where it's like I can legitimately change myself as a character and gain the forgiveness of that person, you're doing that person a favor by actually teaching them how to become a better person. That's like what I'm trying to get out of this is that like, if you if you are very authentic in the way that you assess mercy and forgiveness, you can actually transform a fiendish person into a good person.
1: That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. First of all, is that I'm trying to, I'm trying to illustrate that there's still no there's still no moral obligation on, on the parents parts to forgive because just like or just like the the actions of a wicked man do not merit mercy naturally the actions of a good man does not merit mercy either and wicked the it, it just doesn't it's 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 and um, it, it, I'm trying to show that it all comes back to the choice of the parents. It all comes down to, because your, your, their actions don't affect you either way. Your son is gone, period. You don't have to forgive him for anything, anything. He took your son, he took your child, he took whatever. It doesn't even have to be an emotional thing. It's just, it's just this person took something they couldn't get back. When a thief, when a, when a man steals from you, you can say, okay, well, you know, he stole your lawnmower or he stole your PlayStation, so he's going to give you back a PlayStation. He's going to give you the equivalence of the cash, right? What do you, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you equate uh, your son's life? You know, can he, he can't, he can't just go, <laughs> go, go to a, a, a child factory and <laughs> absurd idea. He can't go to a ch- child factory and buy him a new son. And so. Because, because the actions of this person, whether good or bad, doesn't necessarily merit merits, um, justice or, sorry, doesn't necessarily merit uh, mercy at all, um, except for your own choosing. My point is simply that when it comes to justice, I believe that justice and mercy have an equal demand on a situation. As human beings, we often um, we're often quick to, how you say we're often quick to pick one over the other not knowing that we could pick either one and sometimes and this is not even because we're talking about on an individual level we're not talking about state level because for a state to let a criminal go in spite of the law that's not (laughs) i don't care how merciful the judge is that's still all kinds of wrong because there's a written code this is a written code that governs a nation this is a written code that governs the society and you are you are how you say the mouthpiece of that code, and so this is why the law is very interesting because it's at once very, very. Um, it's at once very, um, very helpful and at the same time very damning, and so you steal the bread it doesn't matter if you stole it because you were trying to feed your family. You stole the bread you're going to jail it's just that simple now. Now, but when we're dealing with an individual, when we're dealing on an individual level, um, we have we have the same demand. We have the same demand. Justice makes the same demand on us as mercy makes us. Justice and mercy make the equal and I would say an equal amount of demands on us. So we can, and it all depends on our choice. It all depends on what we choose to pursue because beyond that, outside of us, there is no reason there is no reason to either um, to, forgive, um, to forgive anyone or to not forgive anyone. It all depends on who we are and what we choose to do.
0: Okay, so I think that there's some utility value to society as a whole. And here's, here's why. If there's something I've learned on tr- 163 episodes into Truth Island, is that either extreme is probably the wrong answer. So let's say we have the guy who forgives you two days later. I don't think that's right and the guy who never forgives you is also not right. So I'm just going to take those two individuals and throw them out of my universe right now and say and say, you know, instant forgiveness not good and never forgiveness not good. The answer is somewhere in the middle. And that's as human beings, we don't like the median, we don't like the middle, but that's that's where I find most of my answers to be. Here's the social utility that I see in all of this. I think that mercy, which is cheaply given, is like cheaply, dis, you know, disregarded as well. And I, I, I think that, and and you know, we've, we've been talking about murder, but we can also talk about some less extreme crimes as well.
1: Mm.
0: If people do stuff, they're instantly forgiven. Again, I, I think last week I mentioned the example of the cheating husband. If that mercy and that forgiveness is cheaply given, people are not going to learn and they're not going to eventually become the highest version of themselves. They just won't because it's like, oh, I can keep getting away from this. The library near me just passed a new rule where there's no more late fees. And I'm like, what? No more late fees? uh people are going to be holding on to the same damn book for 2 years you know like this is going to be an absolute disaster same thing with parking tickets if we're just like no one ever gets a parking ticket well now you're going to get a bunch of people uh parking in front of fire hydrants and driveways uh for like 10 years and not moving their car right and, and this is like dysfunctional to society because it doesn't discipline us and it doesn't actually push us to become better versions of ourselves. So if we're just instantly forgiving people, we're instantly telling people, "Hey, there's no consequence for your action. Hey, you don't have to pay any late fees. I, you know, I forgive you. Giant bear hug. Mm, you know, like all of this makes for like feel-good stories, but it doesn't actually make people better versions of ourselves. So I think there's a social utility. In not denying forgiveness forever, but kind of making it a little harder and something that you have to earn. I think human beings function at we function at our best when we have to earn something. So if forgiveness is like not completely off the table, but something that we can eventually build our way up to, that's actually that actually creates the best version of humanity.
1: No, I yeah. So it's one of those, you know, interesting things about us. Yes, I. We can't. Uh, if you if you look at humans as 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 wonderful as we are, as advanced, as brilliant, and you know, incredibly innovative as we are, we still need whips to get things done. We have to get tickets by the police, to not speed. Which you know, I I think I got one a couple months ago. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well done, Kenny. So the point point is simply the point is simply yeah we 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 have to have these these whips we have to have these chains these you know these social conditioning we're like you know monkeys in a test room we have to get either the 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 taser or the candy you know um, punishments and rewards um, to to function as a society now here's the thing about, and I do agree with you, I do believe that when you say mercy cheaply given, I don't necessarily know exactly what you have in mind when you say that, but I do agree with you that mercy cheaply given is not, is something, it's not ideal. I wouldn't say it's wrong, but I would say it's not ideal because here's when 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 we say cheaply given, I need I, I need to understand exactly what you mean. So for example, the idea that, you know, always told you know people that you know as my son grows up i'm going to teach him before i teach him how to restrain himself from fighting i'm going to teach him how to fight i'm going to teach him how to beat the crap out of someone i'm going to teach him to do that so that he can do it he can do it if he wants to do it then i'm going to teach him how to restrain himself because if he can if he restrains himself without knowing how to fight he's just a wuss, you know, but if he knows how to fight and he knows he can take down the biggest, baddest guy in the, in, in, on the playground, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't need to do it. Then he's a restrained young man. And I think I, it just comes to mind. Jordan Peterson talks about something like this. He talks about how men need to be monsters. And if, you know, before you, you know, some about, I, I forget, but some about being a monster but being, you know, in control of that monster, that monster, uh, that monstrous tenacity, monstrous tenacity so as I, I i kind of see it as the same idea here in the sense of if you're cheaply giving out mercy in the sense of you have you have no idea of what what right and wrong is no sense of justice no sense of no sense of social cosmic responsibility then your mercy really isn't mercy you're just I, how do i say this you're you're you know, you're farting in the wind. You're not really, because it's not coming from any substance. Because mercy comes, mercy comes, is mercy is mercy because of justice. Because of justice, because one understands the punishment needed. One understands what is due you. It comes, that's why it's a debt. You owe you you understand it. This is a this is a payments that somebody needs to give you or you need to give out. It's a debt, right? And so, if you don't know that you're owed something, how can you really forgive? You don't even you know what I'm trying to say. If you don't really know it, then you're not really forgiving. You're not you can't kind of quit a debt you don't know exists. You know you're just you're 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 just loose with your money, and you're 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 basically a fool with your money. And so what happens is. When it comes to when it comes to a person who deals it out willy-nilly, I'm thinking of a person who has no no construct whatsoever of what a what 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 justice is and what mercy and not no. Consequently, if you don't know what justice is, you really can't know what mercy is. Uh, so. so let me.
0: I'm, I'm going to define. I'm going to define cheaply given mercy here. So I think that before you forgive somebody, you need to adequately look at the other person and be like, well you know, first off, have they asked for, for my forgiveness? You know, like sometimes people forgive other people. They haven't even asked for forgiveness, right? Like, they just say like, I forgive you. It's like, wait a minute, that person didn't even say they were sorry and you're already forgiving them. So you have to like assess whether that person has sought out your forgiveness. Have they atoned? Have they tried to compensate you for any damage that they've done? So if some dude like destroys your car. Let's say he takes a baseball bat and destroys your car. It's like, are you just forgiving them for the sake of forgiving them? Or did that person come to you a year later and give you $5,000 and say, listen, man, um, I really lost my cool that day. That was inappropriate. I've, I've, I've put aside a few dollars every paycheck. And now- Here's some money. I want to make this up to you. I want to pay for the damages that I did for your car. So in order to kind of dish out that forgiveness, you're assessing what the behavior and the actions of that other person and actually treating them as such. Um, We're actually approaching Halloween and I think an example of this is sometimes there's like lazy people who put candy out in front of their door, like they don't actually open their door they just leave a bunch of candy out there, and sometimes some rotten kid will come and just pour all the candy into their bag and leave nothing for anyone else. Like that Uh, person is not, yeah, that person is not like adequately thinking about the nature of others, right? They're just like, they're like, oh, like I, I'm just giving candy out. I'm sure, I'm sure all of these kids are well-behaved and they'll just take one or two pieces and just altruistically leave candy Uh, for others, whereas that's never the case. There's always some kid that comes along and just steals it for everyone else. So when you're dishing out mercy and punishment and rewards, you need to be adequately paying attention to the actions and behaviors of that other person. And -hmm. and that's what I mean by cheaply given mercy, is that like, if that person who took a baseball bat and destroyed your car, um, if you're just instantly forgiving them with them not raising any money to pay for your damaged vehicle or taking any kind of steps in compensating you for the harm that they cause, then that's cheaply given mercy. Whereas adequately and rightful mercy is when when some time has gone by and they've actually demonstrated with actionable steps, like they've tried to make it up for you. Now, obviously, in the loss of a, a life, there's really no way you can make that up. So that's a much more difficult barrier to transcend. But I think for a lot of transgressions that go on in this world, there's always something that you can do to kind of make up for that loss. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I can see. Excuse me. Yeah. I can agree with that. And um, I think that uh, um, the person absolutely has to have a, a sense of justice they have to know and you're right when you say I like when you said you know have to they have to look at the other person and adequately assess who they're dealing with because <laughs> it's just the way life works now where you and i would you know Part ways is that the person has to apologize. And I I do believe that the person apologizing is incredibly important, but I don't think it has to happen. I think that a person can absolutely let go of a person's debt before the person uh, comes to ask for forgiveness or even comes to pay that debt. Um, And just like I said, it's simply for the the individual's own sake, not for the other person's sake. Um, But that's, I can understand, is not. that is a very that's a very you know individual thing and it's not i would say that it's not it's not incumbent on anybody else to do so
0: as far as the apology thing that, that goes on there i think um again it depends on on the infraction that's that's occurring right and are they for me sometimes apologies can also be very phony so it's the apology and then it's also the subsequent behavior and actions that are occurring thereafter because anyone could just say i'm sorry you know especially yeah especially teenagers They're, teenagers are really good at the i'm sorry right so that's not the only criteria that i look for i look for what i'm really examining behind the i'm sorry is mm. the subsequent behaviors and actions thereafter okay that, that's what, a lot of hard work mate it's it's hard work but maintaining a civilized society is hard work. Like if you want the world to be better and you want people to behave and be civil to one another, it requires you to keep tabs on people and it requires
1: you to like, Oh my! That sounds very that. Oh my! <laughs> oh, what is this? Nineteen eighty? Nineteen eighty four? That sounds very nineteen eighty four. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I do believe that there are people who are paid to do that. The police is paid to do that. Detectives, the FBI, whatever. Yeah, and then judges, judges, lawyers are absolutely paid to do that to make sure that not only are you keeping the law, but you're making you're serving your due rights or you're your your you're just giving additional your just desserts right and uh but i think that for us human beings um keeping tabs on our fellow human beings especially our equals is a very is a very tedious and troubling task okay let me clean, that, let me clean that up Keren's, that's what we call karen's right um but
0: because... let me let me clean that up a little bit If you, I only think that you need to keep tabs of somebody if you're bringing them back into your life. So if you've decided like, this person is gonna, is a repeat offender and they're they're not getting any better. I don't think that you should stalk them on social media or Facebook and be big brother. I think you Mm -hmm. should just make the, yeah. I think you should just make this decision of like, it looks like this person is not learning from, from their ways. They're not getting any better. They're not improving. They're not sorry. I'm not going to keep tabs on them for the next 30 years, but I'm going to cut them loose. I'm going to let them go. I'm not, I'm not, you know, and, and again, like I I think of a a woman and a cheating husband. She's not, that woman is not being big brother and stalking her, you know, ex-husband for all eternity, waiting for him to redeem himself. She's just making that decision of like, it doesn't look like this guy is improving. I'm cutting him loose. So that's kind of my solution to to this is like you're keeping tabs on that person if you've decided to incorporate them back into your life whether they're an employee whether they're a significant romantic other friend or whatever that's the only times you're keeping tabs on them and kind of monitoring their behavior a little bit more but i i ideally if you see that there's no improvement in the situation i think the the better solution is just to be like hey man it looks like we're going different directions best of luck and then that's it i don't think you should like i want to be clear on that you're not stalking them forever
1: what's that old saying you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me fool me a third time i push you down a bridge um (laughs) 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 yeah no i think i think that makes sense um and that's a very human thing to do that's what we do as humans so um we don't like we don't we certainly don't i wouldn't really in any way encourage anybody to stay in a stay with a person or in in a place a relationship that's a very troubling one that you know the person keeps attacking destroying or being malicious or some something you're just breaking bleak breaking the laws of the really the contract right the social the relational contract and um so, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That makes good sense.
0: I, I just, the reason I, I, I bring this up is that I think that society has a nasty pattern of swinging too much in either direction. We've definitely been where we're like ultra draconian, like medieval torture, like, you know, you sneeze the wrong way, and therefore we're throwing you in a gulag for 30 years. Like, we've definitely swung in that direction. I think that we're all. We can also be guilty of swinging too much in the other, like loosey goosey kind of direction. And I think, from a moral, from a like a the deepest moral level, is that when we swing too much in that other direction, we kind of legitimize bad behavior and just pure evilness. Like we're, we're allowing evilness to just roam free and just we're tolerant and accepting of it. And that that is is also extremely dangerous. I think that. Evil that's not properly dealt with becomes normalized. And that's a very dangerous world to live in.
1: So, yeah, it's not necessarily that it makes all evil permissible. But and so it depends on if you go about this thing the right way or the wrong way. Because, but then again, we've already established the definition of what it means to forgive too easily. And this is um, from, and you would, let me know if, if I'm, you know, misunderstanding but you would say that there's a person who, who really has not looked at what he's or he or she is actually confronting, you know confronted by, and doesn't really understand the, the demands of justice in the situation. And then I would say that that's not even that's not really forgiveness. but then in, in that case, it is, it is very it does create a just creates a meandering and um, placid not what I'm looking there's a very, it's just it creates a very lazy kind of human and society, which often becomes very you know filled with all kinds of um, dark and unwanted things.
0: I like I like that you use the word lazy because I feel like you know I'm going to be very honest as human beings, whatever we're not punished for or there's no consequences for has a way of becoming permissible. You know, it just that's who we are as a species. Like. You know, we like to think that we're operating at this highly moral, morally elevated state, and some of us are. Some of us, even if we're legally able to do something, uh, you know, we don't do it. But that's few and far between. Most corporations, most people are like, "Can I get away with it? Am I going to get caught? Am I going to get away with it? Can I get caught?" That's just how people function, my friend. Like most people just are wondering, what is the consequences? How long am I going to go to jail? Is anyone going to find out? Is there a loophole? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The way that the role that I see punishment in the society is that the person is punished. And at first they're just lamenting themselves. They're feeling, they're, they're feeling sorry for themselves and they're in a state of pity. Eventually that suffering should awaken a moment in the you know in their lives where they transform fundamentally and say okay i'm no longer feeling sorry for myself i'm no longer feeling sorry for the fact that i'm here in prison for 20 years because i killed somebody or i did something bad or i did something egregious if we remove that punitive element and we we just instantly give people compassion and forgiveness my fear is that it's it's going to stifle all growth and evil behavior is going to become normative just just by virtue of the fact that it's not being called out and there's no consequences because we're denying that person the growth. We're, We're denying them consequence. And when we inflict consequence on somebody, we're not doing it just because we want to watch them suffer. We're doing it so that they can arrive at a state where they will be able to reach growth and then repent meaningfully for what it is that they've done and that's the fear i have is that if everyone became like that gentleman that you described in the very beginning that just forgave killers and so forth we're going to have a society where a lot of bad behavior is just becoming normal
1: well the gentleman that i spoke of was a very i believe was a very intelligent human being and i don't think he was the kind of person that we're talking about here I think that he, what he was doing was something based on his, like I said, he was a a Muslim and basically on his own understanding of his religion, he did it from the genuine, from the genuine stance of his own understanding. And I would say it was sincere and and I believe it was because it's his son. Nobody loves his son more than he loves his son. So he has to know what he's doing. So, and I would say that, okay, well, if we, and I, I think what that gentleman did is perfectly fine. Yes, it shouldn't always be the case, fine. But I don't think it's up to me personally to determine, that's why I'm not a judge, and I believe being a judge is one of the hardest jobs in this world, is, you know, one of the hardest things is finding out, okay, where, where should mercy be and where, um, where should it be punishment? Because punishments, you, see, you, you were speaking about how mercy can let people run rampant. Well, so punishment does the same thing. We send people to jail all the time. They come out and commit more crimes. It doesn't really change anybody. So just like punishments can change some and it doesn't for others, mercy can change some. We read in Crime and Punishments, the young man who had murdered uh, murdered uh, the money changer, the the, the lender, money lender, um, really didn't give a crack. I mean, he sure, his, his, his psychology was being torn down because of the, gravi- the gravity of his guilt and the crime, but it was his friendship with that young lady that really began to melt his heart. It was her mercy towards him that made him realize there was something incredibly wrong with him. So mercy changes people, just like punishments changes people. It depends on the people we're dealing with, and it depends on the circumstances and the situation. That's why I say that in every situation, justice and mercy have an equal um, demand on a situation. It's just now the wise person who can understand how to go about it, and you know, um, and when to go about it.
0: Okay. I actually love what you're saying. And I think that the strongest form of mercy is when you offer mercy, even though you have the capacity to inflict punishment. And I think you were um, you know, kind of alluding to this with training your son in martial arts and, and teaching them, OK, you have the power to now inflict punishment. However, your first priority is to inflict mercy. And here's the thing about this, though. I think that mercy is most effective when it's earned, when when there's some kind, when it it has to be earned in some way, because if you're just forgiving people, you know, in a very merciful manner, and it comes easily, you don't have that period of reflection. You don't have that period of reflection, like, um, you know, in Dostoevsky's novel Crime and Punishment. The the character is suffering tremendously. Like he's like tr- he's suffering tremendously, and he feels guilty. Not everyone is like that. Like that guy already had like a moral backbone to him that made him suffer and made him feel bad about his crime. There are some people out there in this world that. If they're not caught, if they're not put in handcuffs, if, they, if, they, if no consequence befalls them, they just keep on killing and doing whatever it is that they want to do. It's only when somebody catches them, there's a punishment inflicted. And then maybe at some point, somebody comes along and speaks to them in a, in a gentle tone or something like that. You know, like I've noticed, I, I've noticed with like students, for example, they'll, take for granted the teachers in their lives that care about them. They just will, because there's so many adults that are like, hey, buddy, let's turn it around. And there's so many adults that are just like bending over backwards to keep these kids happy that they just take for granted all of these people. However, once they've suffered a bit and they realize, oh my goodness, this world is a cruel, bad place, then they come to appreciate those kind figures in their life. So that's why I say you need to have the punishment element first in place. That person then needs to suffer. And it's quite arbitrary. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. It could be eight years. I, you know, It depends on the individual. But I think that the mercy is the most effective when it's like you're basically leading the, the person has spent 10 years in jail. They're being led to the gallows. And all of a sudden, they get that call from the governor saying, all right, I'm commuting your sentence down. And then that, guy, that, that guy's on their hands and knees saying, oh, thank, thank goodness. But if they're arrested and they spend like two months in jail and then the governor calls and says, yeah, you're free to go. Where is the reflection? Where is the, 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 the gratitude? Where is the, you know, like changing your life around moment? Because if it happens too quickly, you deny that space for that kind of inner transformation to happen.
1: Well, that's usually the case, but that's not always the case. I mean, I, I believe that people can, people can have, because it's because they know that they don't deserve it, even if they don't have time to reflect, they know what they, they know in the moment what they've done and they know the law. And getting the opposite of what they expect can be a very, it can be a very life changing situation. Another illustration, I'm sorry to keep bringing up these books, but um, it's and I know that literature is always you know, a perfect, you know, um, representation of the world, but sometimes it does get close enough. Um, So in Jean Jean Valjean's situation where, you know, he steals from the minister, from the priest, and he's caught and brought back, and the priest tells him, hey, I gave these to him, and oh, by the way, you forgot these ones, and he gives him even more of the things he had stolen. Now, someone like uh, um, Jacques, it wasn't in the, the, is this Jacques? The... Javert. Javert, thank you. Someone like (laughs) Javert would look at that and say the priest is completely out of his mind. But that situation was a very, it was a paramount situation in Jean Valjean's life. There was no time to reflect. He stole it. He meant to do the man a great deal of, well, harm. He stole from him. And um, he was immediately not just forgiven, but given more than he had, given more than he had stolen. And this changed this man's trajectory. He, he, under, he changed his life completely. I'm saying that there are still individuals where, um people will take advantage of your mercy absolutely just like people will take advantage of your your penalizing system absolutely it's not it's not a zero-sum case it's it's a it's a um because we're so different and so the same um that difference is really where we have this that's why we have wars that's why we have arguments that's why we you know murder our brothers and our sisters that's what we that's what is the need for justice and mercy because of that difference you know so I believe that justice is incredibly important. I do. I do believe that, and I do believe that. But I also believe that mercy is equally important, and I believe that both of them have the capacity to accomplish the same thing. And uh, but in our world, we lean quickly towards judgments, very quickly towards judgments and punishments, and that's fine um, because um, because that's just 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 the way it is. Um, but if you look at if you look at the way our prison system, prison systems work, it doesn't seem to be accomplishing much. We have one man describes our uh, prison. I remember I was watching an interview the other day by a criminal. He said that prison is a is a university for for crime, University of crime. You go in there not knowing much, come out, knowing a whole lot more than you did before you went in. You were stealing <laughs> you were stealing bread before you went in. You come out, you're stealing the whole damn factory. So um, so I think there's a place for both. And I think it takes, it takes a little bit of wisdom to navigate and to know who you're dealing with, because just because somebody doesn't look repentant on the outside um, or doesn't even know they're starting to consider one thing or the other. Um, my point is simply that the human heart is very interesting and it, 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 it responds to things, sometimes almost like it has a mind of its own. It responds to things in ways that we would never really expect um, ourselves to respond.
0: Now, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think in the case of uh, Jean Valjean, the priest in that situation was looking at that man and saying, oh my goodness, this man is destitute, he's hungry, I understand why he's stealing this food, I understand why he's doing that, and I think the priest made the right call and, and used his discretion to offer mercy and forgiveness, and rightfully so. However, I'm wondering if, let's say, Jean Valjean did not steal bread to feed himself. Let's say he just decided to burn the priest's home down. He just decided, I'm burning your house down because I feel like it. And then that priest just said, all is forgiven, my son, you know, no worries at all. You know, this is where circumstance and the, the factors surrounding the crime actually matter. So I think with our criminal justice system, if the person has committed a crime and there's circumstances that force them to do that crime like like feed their family you know there's no jobs available and so forth i'm not saying that that person should be completely absolved and have no punishment but those are the kind of factors and variables that you're considering when rendering punishment or forgiveness. Like, okay, this person was like pushed into a, a very awkward corner. Um, same thing with like self-defense crimes. You know, if someone is like, well, that guy would have killed him the following day if he had not acted first. All of those things, you know, come on the table and and we obviously consider them. However, there are moments maybe where instantaneous mercy and forgiveness comes into play. But there is like a number of criminals where it's like they clearly at that moment just aren't feeling sorry and there's no special set of circumstances that excuses why they committed that crime and therefore like a more instantaneous punishment might be the rightful answer. That's not to say that forgiveness is, is completely off the table. However. Instant forgiveness is completely off the table because there's no special circumstances. There wasn't a good reason why the crime was committed, and the person doesn't feel all that remorseful that they've been caught.
1: Yeah, but then you know, I, it, it 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 always it still comes down to the fact to the to the question of you know, um, it's is it it's not. It's not even a question the, the idea that it's not the forgiveness is not simply about the person you're forgiving. It's also about your own emotional state. It's, almost, it's also about your own life, the kind of person you want to be and so forth. There's, there's, there are factors that play into an instantaneous, instant, instantaneous forgiveness of a person. Now, and when we're talking about this, we need to differentiate between the state's a state's responsibility towards crime and an individual's responsibility towards crime. An individual has his own choice. He can forgive or, forgive or not forgive whether, whatever he wants to because it's his choice as an individual. When it comes to a state, I don't know that a state really has much of a choice. I mean, sure, judges can make you know, leniencies where, um, where they allow, um, but that's that's up to them. They, as a representative of the state to have that power. But usually the state does crack down on you. It doesn't matter if the individual forgives you, you're still going to jail for 20 years. It's just that simple. So the crime is usually paid for. But that's the question, is it's just is going to prison, is that is that what justice is? Is is that is is serving 20 years and coming out, coming out of coming out of that situation an even harder criminal, is that justice, you know, is, is that, I mean, it, it, it seems like, it seems like justice, but it seems like an incomplete and uh, a kind of, an incomplete and f- flawed justice, but it's the one we've got for the most part. Um, but I would say that the state has no, no, no need and no, uh, no uh, obligations to have mercy or to forgive anybody for anything they've done. Um, but if an individual decides to do so you know it's it's um, I, I can see that it's I can see why why it would be not only reasonable but even you know um, but encouraged Go on please.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not, first off, I'm not going to even be the, I'm not going to even try and defend our um, prison system. I I know that it does a very poor job on rehabbing people. And you're absolutely correct that people go, people go in for minor offenses, and then come back creating major offenses. (laughs) Now, I want to, I do want to talk about, though, uh, the individual agency and forgiveness, okay, and I'm just going to use myself. And I'm going to be honest with you, man, you know, I think that you dance with the angels a bit more than I do. I'm kind of in the, dark shadows a little bit more and I want to use the example of the baseball bat in the car that I talked about earlier Some guy comes they lose they, they lose their patience they take a baseball bat and destroy your car if a, if that happened to me if some dude came with a baseball bat and destroyed my car and you know a year or two went by and that person knocked on my door and presented me with like, you know like maybe double what the car was worth and 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 said i'm so sorry i lost that was a mistake i lost my temper i've saved diligently this should more than cover the cost of the car that i destroyed if i just slammed the door on that guy's face i would be i would feel upset inside i'd be like aaron you're being ridiculous now this person's on their hands and knees groveling they've saved up, you know, double the cost of the car that they destroyed, you're you're being a stickler right now, you're being a stickler, and then that toxicity will probably live inside of me. However, if a guy comes and destroys my car, and is like, what of it, man? Yeah, yeah, bro, I just destroyed your car, deal with it. If that happened to me, and I instantly forgave them, I would actually feel like a fool, and I would start hating myself, and I would actually have a certain level of toxicness within myself, For being uh, like too foolish or too easygoing or too forgiving i it actually would bother me it would actually bother me if i just let someone get away with something and you know they they never uh there were no consequences for their behavior and they never had to reflect and then have that moment where they come back to me and we make it right so and maybe this is just because i'm a more darker individual and i just think in terms of that but like i actually think that if i forgive too easily I would also harbor toxic feelings about I would you know what you know what the word I'm looking for is I would harbor resentment for the person that destroyed my car because I'll be like this guy destroyed my car. Uh, He has never apologized. He's not made any restitution for the fact that he destroyed my car. And I just heard that last week he destroyed someone else's car, you know, so like that that's going to create resentment and, and, you know, anger on my part by forgiving them too easily
1: that makes sense and here's the thing and that makes good sense that's why it's not about this is not about this is not a forceful thing it's not something you shove down people's throats because it's at the end of the day it's better to be honest than to pretend to be something you're not um if you do forgive and it's not natural to you you will resent absolutely that's not that's without a shadow of a doubt absolutely yes because it's a judgment on you for being a fool if you don't it's 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 understanding that changes everything Understanding new information changes everything. What you described, uh, my friend, here, this is not one for one, but listen, what you described is um, is, uh, is similar to this. The man who you know, there's a guy who he lends out money, right? He 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 lends out money. This is what he does, right? And uh, one day he's walking down, he sees a um, this guy. So he's a, he's very financial apt, guy. He sees a um, a homeless man, or someone who is down in his luck, and the guy comes and wants to borrow money, or even just asks him to see if he can have the money, and um, he thinks that if he takes that money out of his pocket and brings it, gives it to the guy, he's a sucker. He's a sucker, and so he doesn't do it. Now that's understandable because here's the thing: there is a, there is a sucker like aspects to it what you're doing is what's happening is first of all you're an, you're a guy who understands how money works people work hard they make money you give money hoping to re, you know to get it back in return money is a game it's a it's a biz his money money for me is a big game it's a business right it's something he takes very seriously like most of us we take our money very seriously you can touch because you can touch you can take touch or take my life take my wife, take my kids, take my dog, but don't you dare touch my wallet. It's like (laughs) like money (laughs) of your life. That sounds sounds like an ad for a credit card company or (laughs) something. (laughs) You know, so we really take our money very seriously. And this guy too. And so he feels like a sucker when he has to give money to anybody who is not in his mind, as he understands the world to be, um, living adequately or up to the task of being worthy of that money. And that's understandable. So anybody who is not worthy of your forgiveness, why should you give it to them? Well, it's it's not a matter of, um, and I would never encourage anybody to do that. I think it's I think it's a complete waste of time. But I do believe that there are those. I'm not saying I'm one of them. You misunderstand me. I'm speaking only ideologically here. I'm not saying that this is this is how I live my life. Now, this is how I'd like to live my life. But I uh, tragically know if you um cross me i'm gonna push you down the flight of stairs i'm just kidding <laughs> but the point is simply that you know you're
0: preaching um, but you're not walking
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes ah crooked as you are you are like us are you nuts um so it's the, the point is simply that this is this is still natural for many people it's still it, it is natural for there are people who can give that money and not feel like suckers they just want to help they don't really care about the money. They don't see it, think twice about it. It's more about the individual because there's something has changed in their understanding. They're not seeing it as giving up the money. They're seeing it as helping a person. A comedian once said, you know, it was a simple change in his in his in his thoughts that helped him realize um, that helped him he can make help his comedic life, right? He said he was usually he goes on stage to get laughs from people. And every time he didn't get laughs, he would come out feeling bad. He just felt awful. He just felt awful. It felt like he wasn't a good comedian. But something clicked in his mind one day in a moment. He says, instead of thinking about getting laughs, why do you think about giving laughs? Giving them an opportunity to laugh, you know? And so that changed the way, that changed the game for him, big time. The Same guy doing the same thing, but different mind, different understanding. So I think that, you know, the people who are like this, who can give that mercy, like the man who was, for very first and early example of the Muslim man who had forgiven that murderer of his son, he's seen something different. His understanding is clicking on the points that, um, for many of us, it's just not clicking naturally, you know. And so I, um, and so I would say for you or anyone else who is not, who do, it doesn't come naturally to you. Oh, yeah, it doesn't come naturally. Why pretend? Why try to be something you're not? But if it does come naturally, then please, by all means, you know, um, go about it. Go about it as you can.
0: Okay. the The thing about it, though, is that we have to. So, there is my way of doing it, where I let I. So, let's say we have the gentleman who instantly forgives murderers, arson, whatever it is, and then you got guys like me who are like, "I'll forgive you, but you have to jump through some hoops in order to get there." Mm-hmm. I don't want to live in a world where I'm imperfect and the guy who instantly forgives is the ideal that we're all striving for because we have we have this we could make this mistake of putting instant forgiveness dude on the highest pedestal and being like oh well we should all aspire to be that where it's like maybe you kind of want to be more like a king solomon and you're sort of you know making wise decisions some of them are a little harsh some of them are a little bit on the softer side you know that's just where my mind is thinking i don't know if Reaching that guy's level is necessarily the the final destination for all of us. It may not be the wise destination for all of us. What I think, <laughs> what I think is, I, I think what we should be teaching is maybe something called wise forgiveness. Wise forgiveness, where we're teaching people that if you harbor resentment and you harbor ill feelings towards people for the rest of your life, on you know, with, without warrant, it's going to eat you up inside. I think that's a part of wise forgiveness, but I think wise forgiveness also teaches people that there are dangers of forgiving people, uh, you know, too easily that you know there's a, you know, there's a a tale in Aesop fables, where a wolf is allowed to like play with the sheep for a while and you know the farmer, the, the farmer sees this, and he's watching the wolf And he says, well, this is a different wolf. This is a special wolf. This is a good wolf. This wolf is not gonna harm the sheep. One day the farmer decides to like disappear for a day. Lo and behold, the farmer comes back. All of the sheep are gone, right? The wolf just went wild and crazy. And innocent people can suffer if you don't pass judgment, you know, because there are consequences. If I just instantaneously forgive the arsonist, well, then that arsonist is going to then light other people's house on fire or destroy other people's cars. The same thing with the wolf. If you're not bringing that wolf to some justice, you allow, you open up the door for them to continually do those things. I know you're going to say that the criminal justice system and and individual, you know, forgiveness are two separate entities. And I hear you, I, I hear you on that, but you have to also think about this on, like like let's say somebody commits an infraction against you that doesn't warrant the criminal justice system, okay? Cheating, like if you're in a relationship and someone cheats on you, that doesn't necessarily warrant the criminal justice system. You have to be wise in how you dish out for your forgiveness. Because if you're if you if you have a cheating spouse and you instantaneously forgive them, well, now you've invited them to continually do that to you. So even you know, we can't fully set, you know, there are instances where people are committing infractions against you that don't involve the criminal justice system, but you yourself have to establish appropriate boundaries.
1: Well, yes, yes. I mean, sure. It's we're talking about Well, first of all, those those situations are far, far fewer and in between. But for for example, the person who is having who is married to a cheating spouse, something like that. And I know it's a hard situation to be in. So the best thing to do is to make sure you don't forgive them. Make sure you don't forgive them. And what you need to do is you need to make sure that you make their life a living hell and pour heaps and heap and heaps of guilt. Maybe tell all your family what they did. Maybe put it on social media. Make sure they feel horrible. You know, get them to a point of suicidal, maybe to a point of near suicidal tendencies, and then if they feel bad enough, they can come crawling back to you, and then you can forgive them. So my point is simply, it's it's the alternative. The alternative is equally dangerous. My point is simply that in those kinds of situations where we are not the art, we, we are when we have the laws in our hands where it's not the police that's involved, it's not, a, it's not the judges that are involved, we have to be incredibly careful because just like mercy can be harmful, I say, people can take advantage of us and we can be harmed by being merciful to people. I understand that. We can do an incredible amount of harm to others by doing the exact opposite, an incredible amount of harm. There are people who we have guilted to the point where they have killed themselves. And when is enough, when is, when, when is enough, you know what I mean? So the point is simply that I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that uh, justice is an importance. I'm not saying that, I'm just, I'm not saying that, you know, um, people shouldn't take responsibility for their actions. I think they should. I'm saying that mercy is very important as well. I think it has an equal demand on us as justice has on us.
0: You actually touched upon something that Aristotle said. And he said that the punishment cannot exceed the original transgression. And I love that's one of the best quotes from Aristotle ever. So, in the case of the cheating husband, for example, if the wife does all the crazy stuff, sullies his name on social media and broadcasts, my husband's a cheater, and so forth, I would argue that the punishment is exceeding the original transgression because now the man's complete reputation has been sullied and she's gone absolutely crazy, but there still needs to be some consequence for that behavior. It's important that the punishment does not exceed the original transgression, but she needs to be like, I would like, I I would like to be separated from you for six months or I I think we should just you know I I think you should move out right now or or like I don't want to see you again for a year, like, there has to be something I'm not saying it's to the point of
1: that's perfectly reasonable that's perfectly, perfectly reasonable response to that. And it's it's in, and especially based on their contractual their marriage contract. It says right there's a there's a marriage contract we all get into. Some of us have a different one. Some of us sign prenups. Some of us you know um, uh, based on our cultures and religions and so forth. There are certain things that need to that need to take place. So it's not really up to the individual. At the end of the day, there's there there are contracts and there there are certain expectations to be met, and natural if not um written. Obligations or punishments to be dealt out if the person doesn't. I'm saying when we when it's up to the individual because that in that situation it's not necessarily up to the individual in the total sense because you've cheated. There's, there is there is the marital contract of till is it, uh, in, is in it sickness or in health and um, promise. I, I don't. I forget how these things go, but you know, promise to be loyal and faithful to her and blah blah blah. Um, so yeah, that's a perfect separation and is a perfectly reasonable and, and understandable repercussion for that kind of behavior. And, uh, um, and yeah, it's, 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 I don't see, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, so it's a perfectly reasonable, re- reasonable, you know, re- repercussion for that behavior. Just like, um, just like being merciful and forgiving that person is also perfectly reasonable Recompense, um, um, reparation, or uh, should I say, um, deal outs, for that situation, because, like I said, it's it's they have they both have an equal demand. It all depends on the individual and how they see things. Both can both can do harm, but both can do incredible good. And I don't know. And I, no one. So for me personally, I absolutely do believe that the person who forgives, I, I is far is how you say is the attainable, is the ideal. And that's not to say that I'm going to force that to anybody else any there are pe- everybody should have their own how you say specific desires and how they want to live their life and who they who they aspire to be in their 60s 50s and 70s and so forth. And have the ideal mind or person they, they'd like to be like, um, for me, that is the case but to say that it is the case for everybody and it should be the case for everybody is absolutely no not at all there are people who are simply just they're 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 just minded and that's what we want those kinds of people to be our judges and we want those kind of people to be our lawyers and our police officers because where you show mercy where mercy is not due what you've done you you yourself have become a criminal there's a situation where the police officer warned warned a criminal that you know that he should have, he shouldn't do such and such a thing, lest he gets, you know, like he goes to jail. This is a guy, and now, now he's being, you know, um, now he himself may be going to going to jail for that, because he chose to be merciful when mercy was not in any way required, and it's and because of that he perverted the law. So the mercy is not necessarily the end all be all, because there is, like I said, it's it's an equal it's a fine line and a fine dance that we have to learn how to do um so yeah yeah
0: no I, it's it's interesting and i i i think this is going to be one of those episodes where we you know we agree to disagree and i think that's okay i i think i i think that your ideal man is the person that can distribute mercy you know like on an unconditional like level or maybe not maybe i've got that wrong or or they can Aspire to like, tell me what your ideal man is in regards to mercy. Then I don't want to falsely paraphrase you.
1: I don't know that I can. It's not like <laughs> I like said to me, I don't see it like it's not like a specific, you know, it's just a person who has the understanding to put where mercy is needed and to put justice where justice is needed. Okay, and has no qualms whatsoever. Because for many, mercy seems weak and obsolete. But I don't want to think that way. I believe that both, like I said, are not one is not greater than the other. But I do believe that the mind that can apply mercy and apply mercy um, uh, powerfully is absolutely um, paramount. But I do believe that because we, and that's simply because we're living in a world that prefers, not prefers, doesn't even prefer it, honestly, but it prefers it strangely and kind of self in like a very self selfish way justice we, we we are all about justice until it's about us and then when it's about us we really 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 want mercy and so i think that it's i think that i it's it's knowing that both of them have their place and both of them have both of them have an equal demand on every individual and that each individual must choose how he or she what he or she is going to deal out in that situation and live with that.
0: You might you might find me a little bit of a sadomasochist here, but sometimes I like when my girlfriend calls me out on my BS. <laughs> like like wait, you said, you said that every individual like craves mercy. And, and maybe when I was younger, I just wanted to get away with stuff. As I get older. I, I kind of respect people who call me out on my nonsense and say, "No, no, no, you messed up, Aaron." And I actually like those people who, who bring justice to my table and point out when I've done wrong because I then have the opportunity to improve. So, that's like, good. That's, like, that's, that's, that's good, man. No, because, because because people because people because, who, yeah. people who are just like instantaneously forgiving me and just tolerating the crappiest version of Aaron, well, that doesn't allow Aaron to actually become a better Aaron. So in my, in, in my, no I, in my ideal world, I, I think that the perfect individual knows just exacts, like the proper, like the perfect dosage of punishment, perfect dosage of mercy. And it's all perfectly timed out, you know, like it, like that, like that, that to me is my ideal version of, of a man is that he has perfect per mercy, perfect punishment. And it happens in the exact timeline as it should that creates the most character and the highest moral level. And it's very complicated and it's very, it's different for every individual and it's different based on every circumstance. And, you know, people are looking for a clean cut justice yeah, versus mercy. If that's the case,
1: then we're saying the same thing. I don't see how we're different in any way then. Okay. I, I but guess, you,
0: I guess we've met, we've met up on the same road now.
1: <laughs> if, if, um, like I said, I like that's what I've been saying from the beginning. Is that I think I think it's just an importance that both are important, both have an, they both have an equal demand on each individual, and that each individual needs to know when and how to execute both. So, um, yeah, I mean, if if that's what you're saying, then we've been on the same page for a bit now.
0: Okay. Last thing, I I, I do have to go, so this is going to be the last thing I say. Let's say you know, you told me about the article about the man who forgave the guy who murdered his son instantaneously. Yeah. Would you also be celebrating the guy who gave perfect mercy twelve point five years later? and just like he he got like perfect mer- like perfect mercy down because we're celebrating the guy who gave instantaneous mercy. Would you also be rejoicing with me if there was like a story or a news article about a guy who delivered mercy 12.5 years after his son was murdered and he became pen pals with the with the with the with the convict and then at just the right moment he delivered mercy like could that be as celebrated as the guy who gives instant mercy because that guy is is that guy's. You know, using full discretion there. Could that be celebrated?
1: Asking you this question, then you've absolutely misunderstood me. <laughs> why wouldn't I? Isn't it what you know? We've I've heard many stories about people who have gone back to World War II camps and forgiven their um, their Japanese captors, or mm. people who have gone back to um, to to Germany and seen. I mean, this happens so often, and it takes years of them trying to get in contact with these people. So it's not about whether it's instantaneous or not instantaneous. Who gives a damn? The question is, is the good accomplished? The question is, 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 is has it done the thing that it was that it set out to do? Mm-hmm. Because whether or not, whether or not it was given, um, whether or not it's, I don't care who it's given by, I don't care where it's given, why it's given. If it does the good that it's supposed to do, then absolutely I'm all for it, just like I'm all for it when a prim- criminal goes to jail for what he did. And um, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's, it's all about, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's what matters most is does what, what is, has, has it accomplished the good? And yeah, so I would rejoice with you. Absolutely. In a heartbeat.
0: Okay. I love, I love that. I love that. So you know, I, I, when you said forgiving Nazis, I thought of Victor Frankl, who like instantaneously forgave. The, yeah. Maybe some people are capable of being forgiven three years after their transgression, some one month after their transgression, and some people maybe 10 years. It's all about finding that, that magical moment and then pulling the trigger when need be. Kenny, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today.
1: No worries at all. Thank you for having me.
0: This concludes the 163rd episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.